If you're visiting with us, we're on a, a teaching series, in a teaching series. This is week number seven, I believe. And next week um, will be the last installment of this series. It's a teaching series called Signs. It's time to return. And the subject matter of this teaching series is eschatology. Okay, eschatology means things pertaining to the end. Okay, so we are having a conversation about the end times and we have talked about all kinds of stuff how many of you have been like yeah we sure have raise your hand or say amen amen you know what i'm talking about so listen throughout this series especially as we've gone on and on people have been asking me not very many but a few have been asking me well tony what are you and your family doing to prepare for the end times When someone asks me that, I am assuming that they are asking me that so that they will have some sort of direction for themselves and for their family. And uh, so tonight, what I want to do is I want to give some direction for preparation. You can write that down. That's That's the title of this sermon, Direction for Preparation. But let me start by saying this, and you can write this down if you want to as well. Why you do something is just as important as what you do. Why you do something is just as important as what you do. Every decision that you make has a foundation. And that foundation is either fear or faith. It's either faith or fear. It's never both. It's never a hybrid. It's always one or the other. Am I making this decision out of faith? Or am I making this decision out of fear? Whatever that decision may be. Do I date this person? Should I take this job? I mean, we have a big list, don't we? I mean, even silly stuff. Like, should I respond to that mean comment that they made about me on Facebook? You know, I don't know. Is this fear or faith? Should I vaccinate my kids? Should I homeschool my kids? Should I spank my kids? Of course, the answer is always yes to that one. You know, (laughs) of course you spank your kids, right? But listen, even in that, even in the disciplining of your kids, are you disciplining your kids in faith or out of fear? It's a valid question, right? Because every decision we make has a foundation. Paul writes in the second letter that he wrote to Timothy, who was his prized disciple. I say prized because he loved him. Have no one greater than you, Timothy. And one time he says, Timothy, I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you. In that same chapter, he goes on just one or two verses later, and he says, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Everybody say, I need a sound mind. So what is Tony Herring and his family doing to prepare for the end times? Can I just tell you, I'm doing the same thing that I would do in the meantime. In faith, with power and love and a sound mind, I am preparing my heart and my home so that I will be prepared to be a help to the hungry. And you can write that down. This is my whole sermon in a sentence. You guys know that I like to just 
kind of sum all of the stuff I'm going to say into one sentence. Prepare your heart and your home to help those who are hungry. Can we read it together and say it out loud? Prepare your heart. Let's talk about preparing your heart. You ready? I'm going to start by saying that God always sends a voice to prepare hearts for his coming. You ever thought about that? We actually looked at a great one uh, a couple weeks ago in one of the sermons when we talked about that scene in Exodus chapter 19 when, when God tells Moses to tell the people to come to the base of the mountain. That he was going to show up and he was going to let all the people hear God speak to Moses. And the purpose was so that the people would hear God and believe Moses and follow Moses, okay? So it picks up in um, verse 10 and it says that the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments. Everybody just repeat after me, wash your garments. And then he says, let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And then over in verse 15, it says that, He said to the people, be ready. Another way of saying that is be prepared for the third day. So we see that even back then. We talked about, we did a whole thing on that. So you can go back and look and see how the Lord always has a voice to tell people when he's going to be coming. As it relates to the first and second coming of Jesus. Because Jesus came once and accomplished a lot for us. And then he promised that he's going to come again. His first advent has already happened. We're awaiting for his second advent, right? That's why this series is happening. In the first coming, you can look at this, write this down. God's voice, because remember he always sends a voice. God's voice for his first coming was John the Baptist. You remember the scene? This guy shows up preaching out in the desert, crazy, wearing camel skin, eating locusts and long hair, no telling what he smelled like because he'd been out in the desert sweating and eating weird, you know, bugs. And he's saying all these things about God and the people hadn't heard anything like this since Malachi. And that was 400 years earlier. People were talking about this guy in the desert. Well, one day the Pharisees got wind of it and said, we got to go listen and hear what he's saying. What if a prophet has shown up? And so, and people were saying, this might be the Messiah. So they go out there. They said, who are you? And listen to what he says. I am a voice calling out in the desert. Prepare you the way of the Lord. And he goes on to say, make straight your paths. So he's out there and he's got this message. I am sent here to prepare the way for the Messiah. And here's my message. And he said it over and over and over and over. And this is what was getting people's attention. Repent. Repent for the kingdom of God is near or the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, Isaiah 40, go ahead and turn there because when he says, I am a voice calling out in the desert, prepare ye the way of the Lord. What he's doing is he's quoting Isaiah chapter 40. And so Isaiah chapter 40, and we'll pick it up for now in verse 3. He says, a voice calling, or he's quoting Isaiah 40, where it says, a voice is calling. Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Are you guys listening to these words? These are very, very specific. It's painting a picture. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low and let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. And I'll pause right there and just let you know there's great imagery that's going on right here. This is the way that they treated royalty 
as royalty traveled from one place to another. They had people that would go before the, the caravan, whether it's a prince or a king or a princess or a royal family. There were, there were people that were on assignment. They actually would call them harbingers. They would go before, and what they would do is they would clear out rocks. Okay, they would actually level out hilly places. They would, they would do whatever it took to make the trip more comfortable for the royalty, for the king, for whoever. They would, even, even if the path went like this, what they would do, if, especially if it was, you know, uh, more dangerous and not comfortable, they would just level out a new path. I mean, it would take people a long time to get somewhere. But that's what they would do. And, and that's the imagery that's given in Isaiah. This is necessary for the coming of the king. And so it says there will be a voice calling out in the desert for the purpose of making straight those paths, clearing out the rocks, clearing out the things that will make it difficult for the king to come in. I am that voice, he is saying. I am here. And his message, the way that he's clearing the path, the way that he's making it easy for the Messiah to come in is through repentance. You guys with me? It's very, very specific what he's talking about, okay? So that's the first coming. John the Baptist was the, was the voice calling in the desert saying, repent. Now, let's talk about the second coming because that's what this is all about, right? That's what we're waiting for. We know Jesus came. We preach on it. We sing about it. We worship him because of all the things that he did, who he was, what he did. Let's talk about the second coming. Was there a voice? Well, actually, if you look at the Bible, the whole thing is about moving everything in towards that end, isn't it? Yes, the prophets, yes, Jesus even talked about his own coming. Certainly Paul and Peter. But there was a specific voice that told us a, a lot of details. And that was John the Revelator. The Apostle John. They call him John the Revelator. There was an old song, I think in the 70s or 60s, a quartet song, you know. Y'all remember that? Anybody remember John the Revelator's song? Raise your hand if y'all remember that. You got feet like grass, eyes like fire. Heard a great voice say, come up higher. Y'all remember that one? John the Revelator. Come on. That's, Google it. It will transform your worship. I promise you. Anyway. So God's voice for Jesus' second coming was the apostle John. John the Revelator. The one who wrote the book of Revelations. And, and really quick, I'm going to show you a couple things that he said. He wrote seven letters to seven churches at the beginning of Revelations. I'm going to give you a snippet from a couple of them. In one of the churches, he says, hey, you guys are doing some really good stuff. You got a lot going for you. But this one thing I have against you, he says, you've lost your first love. Then he says, remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent. Do the things that you did at first. And then he, listen, he says, or else I am coming to you and I will remove your lampstand from you. There's another church that he wrote um, two, and it says, listen, you guys are lukewarm. How many of you remember that term? And, you know, we talk about that, lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. Because you're lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, and I've become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And yet you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He says, I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may become rich and buy white garments so that you may clothe yourselves 
and that the shame of your nakedness will be revealed. And the eye salve to anoint your eyes so that you may be able to see. Then it says, those whom I love, I reprove. Listen, those whom I love, I reprove and I discipline. Remember what he says, buy from me gold refined in the fire. Let me pause and just say, when he says, buy from me gold refined in the fire, what he's saying is you have sin in your life and I will discipline you for it. But if you will receive that discipline, it will be so worth it. Because in the end, I will have made you worthy to enter into my kingdom. That's why he says, buy from me gold refined in the fire. Don't refuse my correction and my discipline when I call you out, when I make your sin known, because sin is sweet for a season, and surely our secrets or our sin will find us out, right? When they are exposed, don't kick and scream against it, but see it as my mercy because I love you and I want you in the kingdom. Buy from me gold refined in the fire. And he's essentially saying, when you do that, one of the things that you purchase, one of the things that you get along with that purchase is a robe. And we'll talk next week about the wedding robe that we are able to wear when we go to the marriage supper of the lamb. I can't wait for that message. Then he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he with me. And remember, John is that voice. If anybody will hear, several times in Revelation, it says, let him who has ears, let him hear and listen. At the very end of the book, Revelation chapter 22, it says, behold, I'm coming quickly. I guess quickly is relative. But he says, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. He says, I am the Alpha, I'm the Omega, I'm the first, I'm the last, I'm the beginning, I'm the end. And then it says, blessed are those. Listen to me, everybody look up here. Blessed are those who wash their robes. There's another way that you can read that. Listen. Prepared are those who wash their robes. Prepared are those. I want you to write this down. Repentance is the perfect plan for preparedness. You want to be prepared? Let's start with that because that's the perfect plan. Before you can consider anything else, you have to prepare your heart. Repentance is the perfect plan for preparedness. We don't hear enough about that. Why? Because we don't even hear enough about sin. We don't hear anything about it anymore in the church. And yet, that's the very thing that keeps us separated from God. It always has. The only thing that gets rid of that sin is repentance. Amen? Listen to me. A one-time prayer of salvation is not a biblical plan. Now, a lifestyle of preparing the way for God to move in your life, that's a good plan for letting God travel in your life, to travel with him in your life, that's a good plan. To let him come into the city of our hearts, that's a good plan. Can I get an amen on that one? When is the last time you felt conviction for sin? The conviction of the Holy Spirit for the things that Scripture says offend God and break his heart. When is the last time? 
Now, for some of us, it's, yeah, I mean, today I was just, God, please forgive me. What was I thinking? But some of us, it may have been days, weeks, maybe even years. When's the last time you repented for that sin that the Holy Spirit showed you? Instead of just, listen to me, instead of just working harder, move past it, work harder, try not to do that one again. That doesn't cover it. You know, ultimately, if we're in Christ, that sin is covered under the blood of Jesus. Okay? That's the greater reality. But Scripture says that sin separates us from God. So when we have sin in our life that goes unrepentant, I believe that there's this growing chasm that happens in our relationship with the Lord. Yes, I am in Him and I am eternally secure with Him, but listen to me. What kind of life am I living in the meantime? Well, if I have sin in my life, then I'm living a life that is essentially um, separated from God. Instead of hearing His voice and letting Him lead me and guide me, teach me, shape me, mold me into the image of His Son. Amen? I'm, you know I'm preaching the gospel, right? And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, right? It's good news for us who are being saved, but to those who are perishing, it's foolishness. What is it for you tonight? Is it power of God under salvation? Is it foolishness? Repentance is the perfect plan for preparedness. Do we live a lifestyle of expecting Jesus to come now? Not just in the end times, but in the meantime, right? Remember what he said. He says, therefore, remember the height from which you've fallen and repent and do the things that you did at first or else. And I want you to listen to me. Clue in. I've said this before probably. Or else I'm coming to you and I'm going to remove your lampstand. That's not talking about salvation. I'm not going to kick you out of my kingdom. You're in. First Corinthians 3 talks about, but you only got in by the hair of your chinny chin chin. Right? By the way, that whole chapter is about motives. The purity of your heart. Your motives. Is your life and your motives and what you do, is it wood, hay, and stubble? Or is it gold, silver, and precious stones? It will be tested by fire. And if when it's tested, what you are and have remains, you will be rewarded. But if it is burnt up, you will be able to enter in, but only as one escaping through the flames. And on the other end of that whole concept is, am I someone that has some great things to lay at the feet of Jesus? Or am I the one standing there going, uh, so you, um, well, what happened was, That's the reality, folks. That's the way it works. But listen, I will take your lampstand away. He said, if you don't repent and do the things you did at first, I will take your lampstand away. And that lampstand is a light. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. Well, if you are a person that does not live a lifestyle of repentance... Guess what happens? You have no light. And let me say that this way. Your life has no meaning. And yet, if you are someone that is living by the Spirit as opposed to living by the flesh, which is what Paul is always contrasting, living by the Spirit, everything you do has more purpose and meaning than you could ever imagine. Listen, a repentant person will lead a person to repentance. And that's the point. A repentant person will lead a person to repentance. Why? Because we have a light. And people are seeing it. They're going, whoa. 
people will be spiritually hungry in the last days. Will they not? I mean, come on. Well, guess what? People are hungry and thirsty now, in the meantime. So speaking of being hungry, let's talk about the second one. Preparing your home. We talked about preparing our hearts. Listen to me. I think every person, especially Christians, should make an effort to prepare for situations where we might face a shortage of food or a shortage of water or a shortage of power. Like, why not? Why not have a few days of food and water stuck over somewhere in your garage or in that closet that's full of junk? Why not? Or even a few months, if you're able, if you can afford it and you have space for it, why not? I'm not going to hurt anything. Maybe a generator that could power a refrigerator, maybe a freezer where you got all your deer meat from all the hunting you do. You got to keep that. That, that was, that's a big buck. Can't lose that, right? I mean, why not? Why not have a, a generator or some source of, or maybe solar or whatever your gig is to, to keep a fridge powered? Or a refrigerator. Or maybe a, a heater. You know, not that we need it in Texas, but... <laughs> or maybe some, maybe some lights, you know? You got to figure out a way to charge your kids' video games, otherwise they're going to drive you crazy. <laughs> you get you a, listen, they make generators that can power your whole house for as long as you want them to. Solar system, I mean, solar panel, whatever. Solar systems. They are solar systems, but not that solar systems. <laughs> Stick with me. Listen, why not? Why not? In Matthew 24, which we've looked at it several different ways at several different times. Jesus is talking to his disciples and they had just asked him, hey, what are, what are going to be the signs of your coming? Like, what, what should we be looking for? And he says some stuff and, and he says, listen, see to it that nobody misleads you for Many are going to come in my name saying that I'm the Christ and they're going to mislead you. You will be hearing of wars. You're going to hear of rumors of wars. See to it that you're not frightened for those things have got to take place. But that is not yet the end. Nations will rise against nations. Kingdom against kingdom. Then it says, and in various places, there will be famines. And there will be earthquakes. But all these are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Now, scholars have differing opinions about when the Matthew 24 famines and earthquakes will happen. Um, some scholars would say that those will happen before the tribulation begins and that those famines and earthquakes and natural disasters will, um, will increase in frequency and in intensity, you know, there'll be more of them and they'll be worse and worse and worse, okay? Um, some people don't believe that. Some say that, um, some say that these that Jesus is talking about, they're not actually gonna start until the tribulation. Here's the deal, nobody knows for sure. Listen to what we do know. You wanna know what we do know? How many of you like to know what we do know? Because you may not know. <laughs> there are definitely natural disasters happening all around the world. Can I get a hearty amen on that? They're happening. Are they increasing more and more and more? Well, some people say they are, and then some people have data that say they're not increasing or getting more intense. In fact, 
over the past hundred years, they're a little less. I mean, there's really different opinions, but we know that they're happening, right? I mean, we see it. Listen to me closely. The aftermath of any disaster in any place in the world, because it says there'll be various places, any disaster in any place could affect our lives. For a day, it could affect us for a month, it could affect us for a year, it could affect us for the rest of our lives. Any disaster at any given point because of the way that the world is connected. Certain disasters in certain places directly affect our commerce. Isn't that true? There's disasters that happen in certain places and we have oil supply issues. What about our supply, I mean power supply? There's things that could happen that could affect that. There are um, disasters that could, you know, when power goes out, well, then food starts becoming an issue, right? Things are inflated and things happen. Now I can't afford to drive the truck because the gas is all this and food and we can't get it here. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that could happen. I'm not being an extremist here, you know, or a fatalist. I'm just saying, geez, there could be a sequential events to things. Water supply. Not to mention the wars and rumors of war. Remember these other big wars and rumors of war? Well, think of the stuff that... Think of where technology has brought us as it relates to warfare. I mean, people are talking about nuclear warfare. What the heck does that mean? We're all like, I don't want to know. La, 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 la. Well, it's a real deal, isn't it? What about biochemical warfare? Jeez, I mean, I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know how it works. But what if, what if the government or our city officials or somebody... Alert, alert, alert. Please stay in your home for a few days what if, what if you had to stay in your house a few days until it passes over well I'm not worried about it why because I have a few days worth of food in my house got my spaghettios <laughs> my cheerios my tostitos <laughs> I got my oreos <laughs> EMPs, like that's, that, those exist. Small ones and big ones. I don't know if they're going to use them. I don't know exactly what they do, but I've heard it's weird. Listen to me real quick. I want you to tune on on this one. Those threats don't even fall under natural disasters. Those are man-made events. But here's what I want you to really think about. Our economy and comforts are being threatened by the decisions of our own Leaders, Can I get a whispered amen on that so they don't hear us? <laughs> amen. It wouldn't even take a natural disaster or military attack to cripple our way of life. We could cripple ourselves. I'm just being real honest. Why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm your friend. I'm your pastor. I'm supposed to encourage you in the word, but also in life. Watch your life and doctrine closely. I just want to help you. Most people who observe and study the economy and trends based on history and information and all that stuff, they say that the way we do life here in America is unsustainable. Doing things the way that we do it, if you really look at it, I mean, even when we sit down and watch a good old episode of Little House on the Prairie, we're just like, they did that. You know, I could never do that. It's like, yes, you could if you were born 100 years earlier, right? You can't now. You're spoiled rotten, but you could have. <laughs> Seriously, they say there is a big change coming. Lots of people are saying there's a big change coming. There's a shift coming. Some people say it's next week. 
I don't know about that. Some people say this month. A lot of people are saying, it's going to be within a year. We'll see a change. Some, are pe- some people are saying, we don't know when it's going to be, but it's inevitable. It's around the corner. They're not giving timelines, but they're speaking inevitably. There's change coming. What we know and the way we know it will change. We hear about it all the time. Even within the church, a lot of people who have prophetic gifts have dreams that paint pictures um, or, or visions, which the Bible says in the last days, visions and dreams will increase. Old men, young men, everybody's going to be having dreams and visions. Why? Because God always sends a voice before he comes. Right? He always does. He's going to tell the prophets what he's doing. Now, you've got to be careful because some people aren't prophets. They're not prophetic. They're pathetic. So be careful who you listen to. I'm not kidding. There's some weirdos out there. Hopefully, I'm not one of them. <laughs> but listen, you hear about it within the church. Prophetically, you hear pastors talking about it quite a bit, and, and especially recently. But listen, even outside of the church, professionals, economists, I mean, even down to historians, patterns repeat themselves. This is what's going to happen. Professionals out in the world who aren't even believers talking about, man, something's changing. Can't sustain it this way. Listen to me carefully. If there is even a potential for our way of life to be compromised. What are we going to do to prepare? Well, I ain't going to do nothing. I ain't going to do nothing. Ain't nothing going to happen. America has a plan for that. We're going to be all right. We're going to make it. We'll be fine. Psalm 20, verse 7 says that some boast in chariots. Some boast in horses pointing to military power. But we will boast in the name of, our, of the Lord our God. And, and if I'm going to take my cues, it's not going to be from anything but this. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the Bible says we ain't going to be here for that. We're going to be raptured out. We ain't going to worry about any of that. Man, I hope so. <laughs> that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Seriously, I hope that is true. But, listen to me carefully, since men much greater than myself can't seem to agree on the specifics of that subject, I'm not going to hang my hat on their wisdom. Right? I'm not going to do it. Do I have my hopes? Yes. I do. But I'm not going to hang my hat on their wisdom. Why? They can't even agree among themselves. And they're brilliant and Holy Spirit filled people. Well, either way, God's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of his own. (laughs) Listen, I, I love that kind of faith. I truly do. Trusting God in the end times. Love that kind of faith. Let me ask you a question. Do you really trust God now? Are you trusting God in the meantime? Are you a person of prayer? Let y'all look at me. Are you a person of prayer? Are you a student of the word? Well, tell me that's extreme. You're getting kind of fanatical. No. Study and show yourself approved. That was the admonition from Paul. Why? So that you won't be deceived. When? In the end. Are you a person of prayer? 
Are you a student of God's word? Are you a person of repentance? Are you actively leading others to repentance? It's what our whole life is about. You thought it was about your career? God loves your career. He's the one that gave you a brain to accomplish the things that you've accomplished. But your career, career is a tool given to you by God. What are we doing in and with our hearts now to help hearts that are hungry for God? Now. What are we doing now? What are we doing with our home to help the homeless hungry? Now. Like, what are we doing now? Think about this stuff that Marvin was talking about with Syria. That's, that's messed up. 10 million people homeless? away from everything they've ever known and it probably wasn't that great what they knew to begin with wasn't that great and they're fleeing refugees everybody say refugee think about what that means they are refugees they have nothing listen I had this vision of what if some multi-billionaire said we're going to do something about this I'm going to buy 20 jets and we're going to go over there and we're going to get those people out of here That would be amazing, wouldn't it? But what good is it going to do if we are not people who would let somebody bum our couch for a month, for a year, for the rest of their life? What good would it do for the one billionaire who has the resources when we're not willing to tap into our own? And yet... What a testimony to the world that would be. Talk about letting your light shine in such a way that nations will see your good works and glorify your God in heaven, especially those who are bumming on your couch. Then the king will say to those on his right, right hand of God always represents blessing. I don't know if you knew that. Right hand of God. Check it out in the Bible. Every time you see right hand has, it's connected to God's blessing. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. <laughs> Y'all with me? I was naked and you clothed me. It was awkward for a minute, but you did it. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, I'm trying to recall, but I I don't, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you as a stranger invite you in? When did we see naked? I will for sure remember that and clothe you. When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Well, and the king said, well, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, everybody say brothers, even the least of them, you did it to me. It's good stuff, right? That's why you exist. Everybody say, that's why I exist. You need to go home and read Matthew 25, which by the way is an extension. It's an extension to the question that the disciples asked, what will be the sign of your coming? Well, you can look for this and this and this and this, but here's the most important thing. What are you doing in the meantime? Then he will say to those 
on his left. Check it out. In scripture, the left hand of God always represents his discipline or cursing. Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels, not for you. I was never prepared for you. I get sick of people saying, God would never create a place like that for his people. He didn't. What Bible were you reading? That was a place prepared for the devil because of his rebellion and the ones that followed him, his angels. You're only going to go in there if you follow in that rebellion. Right? Depart from me. Accursed ones into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels, not you. Because I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I was naked and you freaked out and ran away. I was sick and you were in prison. You did not visit me. Then they themselves would also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or or strange or naked and sick or in prison? And when did we not take care of you? And he will answer to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Listen to me. You cannot sit on your behind and expect God to cater to your eternal needs. And yet that is what at least half of the church is doing. As we'll learn about next week when we turn about, talk about the ten virgins, half of which were not prepared for his coming. Matthew 25, Jesus tells us that half of the virgin were not prepared for the bridegroom. They had their lamp. They had some form of something. But their lamps were empty. They had no oil. Oil in scripture represents the Holy Spirit. They were living by the flesh and not by the spirit. And they weren't prepared. Half of them. Half of them were. Half of them weren't. The ones that were entered into the wedding feast. The ones that weren't. Jesus said, I I don't know you. So back to preparing our homes. Um, What does the Lord say about it in his word? Preparing our homes. You can write this really quick. Um, When we are watchful and wise, okay? Scripture talks a lot about both of those. When we are watchful and wise, we will be able to tend to the welfare of others. When we are watchful and wise, we will have the ability, we will be able to tend to the welfare of others. Go read the book, of, um, or the story of Joseph in Genesis. If you think about it, it takes up most of the book. One day, head honcho of Egypt had a dream. Nobody could interpret it. So they go get Joseph, and Joseph interprets the dream. He interprets the dream, and it picks up in verse 28. You don't have to turn there, but Genesis 40, starting in verse 28, he says, I have spoken all these things to Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he's about to do. I've interpreted the dream. Listen, here's, here's the interpretation. One more time, just in case you didn't get it. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming. Seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt. And after them, after these abundant years, seven years of famine will come. And all of the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt because of the famine that will ravage the land. So the abundance will be unknown in the land of that subsequent famine. For it will be severe. Now, 
As for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, because Pharaoh had the dream twice, it means that the matter is determined by God. This is going to happen, and it's going to happen quickly. Right? Remember Jesus said, I will come quickly. By the way, this whole scene is an end times picture. Go read the story of Joseph with, through the lens and grid of eschatology, end time study. It's fascinating. Anyway, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action. Everybody say, take action. To appoint overseers in charge of the land. Let them exact a fifth of the produce of the land during the seven abundant years. And let them gather the food and store it up, the grain in the cities under Pharaoh's authority. And let them guard it. Then let the food become as a reserve for the land. For the seven years of famine, which is coming. So that the land will not perish during the famine, Pharaoh's like, wow, you shall abide over my house. And according to your command, all my people shall do homage or shall do what you're, you're saying. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. By the way, this is a picture of how the people of God are supposed to take the lead in discerning and take the lead in the direction in the preparation being prepared listen Proverbs 22 verse 3 says that a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences don't check out on me. We're almost done. Proverbs 6 is a great, great little section, especially the, the picture because we all kind of get it. It says, go to the ant or consider the ant. Check out the ant. Go watch a documentary on ants. That's what God was saying. Oh, sluggard, go to the ant. Oh, sluggard, observe her ways and be wise. In other words, learn something from the ants, which having no chief, officer, or ruler prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. In other words, it's just, it's just wise. Why not? It's not going to hurt anybody. A prudent person sees that something, you know, things are changing. It can't stay like this. Well, you might want to go buy some, some beans or go buy a bag of rice. It's not going to hurt anything. I'm not saying you go buy a year supply, try to <laughs> ride out the tribulation or something like that. No, it's impossible. Listen, I was talking, I'm talking a lot, but I was talking to my, my uncle. I have an uncle who is prepper. I mean, I've always admired his diligence and what he's doing, and he is, he is ready. I mean, ain't no zombie getting past him, you know. And he'll tell you. I love his heart because he's always said, you know, um, you come and ask, I'll give you whatever you want. Come and try to take. It'll be a different story, you know. So he said, "I love my uncle." But I was talking with him just the other day, asking him some questions, and um, and he said, "You know, Tony, there's nothing anybody, there's nothing you can do. In the end, in other words, trying to prep for you know the rest of your life is like, there's no, it's impossible." He says, "You know." Do your best and let God do the rest. 
Just do your best. Do the best that you can. Be diligent. Be wise. Do your best. If you can do food for a year, man, that's amazing. Three months, man, that's pretty good. All I can do is, you know, three days. Do what you can do. Do your best and let God do the rest. And isn't that the biblical principle of worship in Scripture? Do your best. Give God your first and your best. Just do your best. And he'll have regard for it. He'll say, man, good job. Listen to me real quick, and I'll end with this. I have a couple more things, but I've talked too long. We're going to talk about this specifically next week. But Jesus said, um, do not be afraid. For I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then don't you think I'm going to come again and get you? Right? You guys remember that? John 14, verse 3. I will come and I will take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. I just want to end with this statement. We're not going to have time to go back to Isaiah 40, maybe another time. Listen, Jesus is preparing a place for us. Can I get a witness? Say it. Jesus is preparing a place for me. Are we preparing a place for him? That's all he asks. You go to Revelation 3, 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would hear me, that voice, remember, and let me in. I will come in and sup with him or dine with him. Some of your versions say, what is he talking about? Well, this is in Revelations, first of all. He's talking about the wedding feast. I've sent a voice. You're without excuse. Just listen. Open up your heart. Let me in. Let's stand.